0: Hi, I'm Patricia Grubarek.
1: And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being podcast. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by a special guest. We have Jason Von Bank, the president and CEO at WellBeats, joining us. Jason, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you guys for having me, and I appreciate all the work you're doing in this space.
1: Absolutely. We appreciate the work that you're doing. And to kick things off, uh, maybe you could give our listeners a little bit more information about your background um, and give us a little bit of an introduction to
2: you. Great. Happy to do it. Thanks, guys. So I started my career at GE and spent about five years there in a number of different roles, um, leadership development program into audit staff and then into product roles and really started my entree into healthcare and fitness um, when I moved to United Health Group. And that was about 15, 20 years ago and really came to love the space. Spent Five years there where I had a number of different roles in disease management, case management, and then into ultimately wellness. Um, Spent a couple years at Lifetime Fitness and ultimately found myself here at WellBeats. And I've been here about eight years.
0: I was a member of of Lifetime Fitness once upon a time. So (laughs) so (laughs) a little connection there. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, years ago. Um, But Super excited about all of your wealth of experience in this space and uh, found it really interesting that you kind of how you transitioned into this space. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your career path, like what made you stay within the wellness realm and what really drove you to move WellBeats into what it is today? Yeah. Let me give us a little bit of color as to what it is too. (laughs) Sure.
2: And quite frankly, at that point in my career, I'd spent five years at GE, as I was saying, and loved my time there. Um, but had spent a lot of time traveling and met my wife at the time and um, we're both from the twin cities area and and given my passion for healthcare given that united health group was based here it made a lot of sense to take a look and um love the opportunity there It was at a point where they were growing they were doing phenomenal things within the space um and it presented a lot of career opportunities for me within wellness which was a, a space i was quite passionate about um and then fast forward, when I went to Lifetime, I met who's currently my chairman at, at WellBeats. Um, worked with him at Lifetime, and we were doing some really interesting things like bringing fitness reimbursement into the category. We were doing biometric screening through blood um, and bringing in a very interesting value prop, I thought, to the corporate space. Um, and fast forward, that's ultimately why I'm here. He was on the board at WellBeats and asked me to, to come here because we were sitting on the first ever digital fitness platform that was focused at clubs, but we saw an opportunity to point it to people and devices and really transform kind of the industry. And, and that's what brought me here.
1: So I love your career path and sort of all the different varied ways that you've been connected to wellness. uh, And, and certainly now in your uh, role currently and what a um, great uh, sort of foresight in terms of how, Uh, important the virtual uh, fitness and well-being world is. Uh, I'm wondering uh, what you think right now, if you had a bunch of folks uh, sitting around in organizations that are looking to, uh, you know, make wellness uh, top of mind within the organization, within their organizations, What do you think people generally tend to do that they're kind of getting wrong right now? Um, And how does WellBeats help to get companies closer to actually achieving wellness in a real way?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think it's evolved over time. Like when I started, and you think about fitness reimbursement, that did not exist. And I'm sure your listeners are familiar with that concept, but it's not geographically spread. So I'll explain that. That's where if a consumer goes to a member a club with a membership either eight or 12 times they can get reimbursed for part of that membership so that didn't exist that all of a sudden became a benefit but it was only really focused on two percent of the population that would ever step foot into a club and then you evolved into what we started creating with Wellbeats. once we got out of the room and into the cloud and then thus a device it allowed us to get to employees but what we kept hearing from employers was uh that's a fitness kind of an employee benefit, um, and then with COVID and the emergence of how the product evolved to be more aligned to a direct consumer product, you're starting to see it as a covered benefit now, where that has never been the case. Where both virtual, physical well-being and mental well-being products are being embedded in health plans or fully insured baked plans, as well as being offered for employers or for employees through employer benefit packages.
0: So, what made kind of as I'm thinking about what you're doing and that evolution towards um, being part of a benefit? So, I think that is fairly common still, right? This perception of this type of benefit product tool that's provided to employees. Um, what, beyond being just a benefit of like, I, as an employee, you know, want to focus on my own fitness and therefore I'm excited that my employer is giving it to me. Why would companies like, what is your perception or what are your thoughts around why companies should be investing in these benefits beyond just why an, that an employee would like the benefit?
2: Yeah. Great question. I think one of the things that is happening right now and I, and I love that it's happening is there's a lot of direct to consumer play around this category What that tends to do, though, is um, a lot of consumers don't resonate with that value prop. Um, What we're trying to do is really focus on the other 95% of the population that may have never worked out in their lives. Um, It may be Sally, who is a mom. Um, Right now, she's a teacher in some cases. She's working. Um, The idea of trying to get to a club to work out is, is beyond her, let alone to buy things that... Um, she would have to do at home. So what we find is we take that approach where 82% of the people that experience WellBeats consider themselves not fit when they begin their journey with us. And we feel like that's a demographic that's been underserved for way too long.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that you're talking about that, um, because I think, you know, there's there's so much that can be done from an access perspective with regard to uh, the way and the delivery uh, of of how Uh, you bring sort of these sorts of um, uh, fitness and wellness benefits to employees. And uh, you're talking about access. And I think uh, it's really important to uh, focus on that. And I know that WellBeats focuses on that a lot. And I was curious when I saw on your website that um, you say well-being is for all, and it might be connected to what you were just talking about. But could you elaborate a little bit more on that slogan and what you mean?
2: Yeah, it's exactly what I mean. It's not reserved for an exclusive few. It's really something that everyone should have the opportunity for. We say opportunity because ultimately the person has to choose. But what we find is their choices are limited right now and don't fit where they're at. So Wellbeats and why we're different is we meet them where they're at. We describe our value prop really in in three words. It's approachable, it's accessible, and it's affordable. Approachable is really important. And that really lives in everything we do, whether it's the content we create, it needs to be approachable to Sally, who may be intimidated by other type of programs. It needs to be accessible. And from an employer perspective, it has to have all the security and privacy boxes checked. But from an employee, it has to cut across nine different platforms. So no matter what you're accessing WellBeats on, you can and then affordability, um, we've been to a point where we believe bringing this to more people is more important than the profitability around it. So we feel like getting this in front of many people through this employer channel at an affordable proposition is is the way to change as many lives as we can.
0: So I think that, I mean, I think it's a great approach, making it accessible. Like, I love that as a slogan. I think It resonates to me because that's something that Katina and I really focus on too, right? Is accessibility to research that a lot of people can't get behind a paywall um, in the wellness space too. So I think we're very much aligned in terms of our mission and our ideas of having information and content and um, tools available to people so they can access it and actually make a change in their lives to help them live a more fulfilling, well, healthy life. Um, And with that, kind of as Katina was mentioning, there's, you know, you're looking at well-being very holistically on your site. You talk about Food and fitness and mindfulness. So mindfulness is something that's very near and dear to our hearts, especially as we talk about mental health and um, well-being from that perspective. And in our background, love to kind of hear about what made you decide to add that component of mindfulness to really focus a little bit more on mental health as well.
2: (laughs) Great question. The answer is both personal and professional. So professionally, it's because our clients were asking for it. They had people that just weren't equipped to maybe start their journey with well being through the fitness door. That it was much more about a guided meditation or yoga um, or some other mental health way to engage with this individual. And then personally, when I started at WellBeats, I was um, very fit- Fitness has always been a part of my life. I was a marathon or triathlete. Fast forward now, what, seven years later, two back surgeries. For me, the journey has crossed from fitness to mental health back to fitness now, because I'm finally able to, to run again. Um, and you can't separate the two. They are The, the mind-body connection is proven to be inseparable. We know that a lot of people are doing mental health programs, and, and we advocate that. But if you're not doing a fitness program, um, we think you should, because we think fitness is foundational to good mental health. We know, and you probably know better than I, that 60% of a lot of the mental health cases, in mild or moderate cases, can be um, dealt with through physical well-being or activities as much as um, antidepressants. And that I think's um, for us a huge opportunity to connect the two.
1: Yeah, I I really appreciate that uh, you have this focus on mental health and this holistic piece to it because I think. Um, you're right. There's so much of a connection between the mind and the body. We talk about that a lot on the podcast as well. That um, you know, if you're in a workplace that uh, you feel underappreciated or you're overworked, et cetera, um, that ha- can have physical consequences. So that can result in things like hypertension or heart attacks. Or um, and so this connection between the mind and the body is is so important. We certainly talk about that a lot. But it's nice to have all of those things represented in one platform and maybe people would be very into mindfulness can also find that there's some physical activities that they enjoy that they wouldn't have otherwise accessed or vice versa so it sounds like uh there must be some uh some good uptake in terms of uh, uh overlap in what people are participating in and how they are finding these activities so i'm curious about um the results of this. So when you go in and you're going to talk to a client organization, a potential client organization, about why they should offer this. So obviously, you've got a great mission around uh, making this accessible and helping people to improve their health holistically by being able to access the app. But what are the sorts of things that you're telling employers, like these are the results that you might see based on your employees actually using this platform? Yeah,
2: um, well, because this is the third time I've done this, we knew it was really important um, to hit on some key components, both from the employer, the operator or implementer, as well as the the user. So one of the things we really focused on is we did a research development project prior to it, a quantum qual. Um, interviewed brokers, influencers, as well as buyers or implementers, as well as users. And what we learned is simplicity was critical. So we needed to make sure that it really hit on that. Um, And then what we did is we learned that through our research and development and through our data analytics and the work of our chief, um, chief data scientist is that best practices mattered. So if you implemented, we put forth seven best practices, levers that an employer can, t- can pull. And we know based on what ones of those do, you will yield very different results. So I think the most important thing in the insight, maybe for your listeners, is that communication is critical. 65% of the people that didn't participate in said benefit didn't because they did not know that the benefit existed. So that's the top of the funnel. That's the first thing you can do to drive engagement. And then the other insight we learned is it needs to be personalized. So a personalized experience, so for what you need, Patricia, is very different than what Katina needs. And to know where you're at and where you are in life, like what I needed seven years ago is very different than what I needed to is very different than what I need today. And meeting people where they're at, personalizing the experience, using data, analytics, and insights to be able to create that experience is what I find drives the most participation.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Actually, I'm kind of curious as you're saying that you're using data to drive that personalization. Um, what kinds of data, like what are the inputs that you're looking at in terms of helping employees kind of go on that journey with
2: you? Yeah, so for, for one, any piece of content we have in our platform has MetaTag data. So we understand a lot about the data we have and the content we have. And then as users come in, we know a lot about the user. So if we know you really like classes from Sarah and yoga classes and you disappear, we can re-engage with you through Sarah um, and do a deep link to make it very easy for you so you don't have to re-log in. So what we find is make it easy, remove the friction, get it to them when they want it, and then personalize it are the keys and and kind of that AI is really important part of that journey.
0: And I also kind of wanted to double click a little bit into what you were talking about with the communication piece. So I agree 100% with everything you said there where, um, you know, if people don't know about a benefit, they're not going to use it. And I see that all the time in my work, right? Even just simple things that people don't know exist. A very basic, um, basic, basic benefits. And companies spend a ton of money on these benefits and people are not using them, not taking advantage might be complaining about not having access to certain things when they actually do and it's such a huge problem. How have you seen organizations that do this well succeed like what are they doing or what are the what's the advice that you give companies to try to help people understand what they have available to support them?
2: What I tell most people is allow your partners to do what they do and what I mean by that is there's really three ways we can engage with the client. One is direct in which case, the client benefits from every investment dollar we've made in communication engine, notification engine, trying to get that employee engaged. The second is through a platform. And if they get good participation through their platform, we can integrate there and encourage that because then it creates a seamless experience for the employee. The third is if they wanna go through their normal mechanism, whether it's through a health plan or through an internet site we really take a look at, well, what's the traction there? Because if you're cutting the funnel down to 2% from the start, you're not going to get a great engagement rate on the benefit and packages that matter. So it's really a consultative approach. Um, But I think ultimately it's allow your partners that you're paying money to service your employees, allow them to do what they do.
1: Yeah. I think that it sounds like, I mean, in everything that you're saying, it sounds like you're taking a really thoughtful approach to ensure that Not only are you putting solutions in place that have, you know, good um, and relevant research as we know behind it, but you're also taking time to make sure that people are getting the most out of that benefit and that there's a high uptake rate. So there's a lot of companies out there we know. Uh, you know, put benefits in place or sell uh, sell things to companies, and whether or not the employees actually use it or engage with it isn't as much of their concern. And those are the things Patricia's talking about. Like the company has them, but nobody knows about them or uses them. And so it seems like you have a really interesting and maybe unique focus on really wanting people to continue to come in, come back and you, use it, uh, have high usage rates to be able to not only just see the results, but also to make an impact on. Uh, wellness from a meaning perspective. Um, And so I'm curious, as you've been doing that, and I've been, I was thinking about this as you were talking that, you know, you're, you're, you know, the top person at WellBeats, right? Um, You're in this industry day in and day out, and you're watching people engage with um, the content that you're putting out there and seeing these results. What are kind of the lessons that you've learned along the way? And maybe I'll break it into two parts. What are the lessons you've learned along the way about the wellness industry um, that you think are interesting or unique or things that you've discovered that are opportunities? Um, And then also, what have you discovered or what are some lessons you've learned about how to actually grow employee wellness um, since you started in your journey at WellBeats?
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to take the first. I mean, one of the things, we've talked a lot about it, but the most interesting evolution I've seen, and I, I've been through and seen a lot of different industries, but I haven't seen it evolve so quickly in one industry before, is this evolution to virtual virtual kind of omni-channel strategy, where it used to be on-site, it was then club, and then it was virtual. But what you're seeing is people are going to go back to the clubs. People are going to continue to work out. Um on site at employer spaces. But what we know is that it needs to be continuity of programming across and then integrated with other touch points. So I don't know how interesting that is, other than it's kind of validation of what we believe for a long time.
1: Yeah, it must be interesting to sort of be like a forward thinker about those sorts of things and trying to have to convince people about it. And now it's like, there's no convincing around the idea that people will do things virtually. Now it's thinking about, okay, now that we know that that's true, how do we reintegrate so that we can get sort of the best of both worlds and have people, um, you know, engaging in even more of these activities as they're integrating back into more in-person. So I think that's super interesting. Yeah.
2: Um, The second part of that, if I might add, because it's one thing that I love is what direct to consumer products are doing in the category where all of a sudden um, our bar is so much higher, which I love the competition in terms of, I view competition in terms of eyeballs where I know there's a consumer out there, an employee, and I hope they engage somewhere, but probably with one app. So if there's a choice to be made by the consumer, I want to make sure that We are front and center, and our product feels as good as it would feel if they paid it for themselves. And I think that's evolved over the last five years, and you guys probably see it more than I do, is the expectation of the user on what products are coming through their benefit package.
0: That's a really great point, because I think in my experience as an employee, so taking off my worker being hat and just thinking as an employee and seeing some of the benefits that... I've received over my career, a lot of the times when we got benefits that have to do with fitness, wellness, what have you, it was just okay. Right. It wasn't as good as the thing I would buy myself. And so I'm not going to engage in that because I already had, you know, this membership or that membership, or, um, you know, even maybe I was an early adopter of virtual, um, fitness, but like, I'm even just thinking of some like virtual yoga, memberships that I had and things like that, that they were really slick. And some of the benefits coming from the employer were not. Um, so I think that's, I mean, it's a great point because with more and more competition, like you still want to, you want the employers to obviously provide a benefit that's useful and meaningful so that your content is being used in the way that it's intended. So that's a, that's a good point point, really interesting trend. Well, in
2: to the point you're making right there is actually the reason I ended up leaving United and going to Lifetime is because although we were building phenomenal products around it, it was tied to a health plan. So some consumers had hesitation about being honest with the intake process, which was at that time traditionally HRA. Um, and then it was all telephonic and online in nature. And for me as an employee also at the time, building an em- products for employees was I thought there was something unique about the consumer brand and the ability to to bring it on site and digitally and create that omni channel. I think we're a little ahead of the curve then, but it's it's interesting to see it actually come to fruition some 15 years later.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like I mean it's it's just very interesting because where things have headed is where you already were. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are looking at uh, kind of what what the company uh, has been doing and thinking, you know, being an early adopter of these sorts of ideas certainly has benefits of being in the space for a while. And you're sort of, you've already learned a lot of lessons that uh, other folks are still uh, trying to learn probably and getting in the space because uh, I'm imagining uh, there's probably a bandwagon of virtual all sorts <laughs> of things that you're trying to get, but you have the experience um, in your back pocket, which is awesome. Um, And so I'm glad. And obviously, this is a a super um, interesting and innovative platform that I know for myself and Patricia was just talking about, you know, paying attention to those benefits that when something's easy, like you said, but also people I get reminders or people, you know, I feel like I'm like, uh, interfacing with something more frequently, I'm more likely to do it right. As opposed to something that's sitting on a platform somewhere in the ether of my organization and I have to go find it. And maybe every now and again, I'll think to do that, but probably not. Um, so I would imagine that this is also super helpful for, um, employees just feeling better because it's more consistent. Um, and, uh, that's probably why you're seeing the results that you're seeing. Um, so with all that said, in kind of summing up the conversation that we had, if I had a bunch of people here um, who were interested in either making their workplace more well, or or you had, I had a group of employees that wanted to know what to do to improve their wellness, um, what else do you think that they should know about your work or WellBeats, or what would you suggest to them that uh, you kind of want to uh, bring us home here with before we turn over to a fun final question? <laughs>
2: Well, I'll keep it brief because I'm, I'm interested in the fun part of that. I'm really intrigued. <laughs> I, for me, it's really just do something. Your employees have been through so much the last couple of years. Um, you need to make sure that whether it's a retention strategy or it's a productive productivity or it's just you care about your employees, you need to do something, whether it's mental well-being, physical well-being, um, that they're going to engage with because people need it and not everyone's raising their hand right now. Um, So I think that's the big takeaway here is if you're not doing something, I I strongly encourage people to, whether it's well beats or not.
0: And on that note, I mean, I think that's obviously we hope it's well beats, but (laughs) um, I think it's a good message that we need to be doing something and I will leave I'll reduce the suspense on this (laughs) final fun question. Um, You talked a little bit about uh, the, you know, your focus on wellness for all and, and this needs to be accessible for everybody and really being authentic to individual experiences and personalization. So we're going to think about authenticity for a second. And if you had to pick a song that authentically represents you to the world. So like in one song to like put out there that everyone would listen to and know that encompasses you, what song would that be and why?
2: Oh my goodness. That is a great so question. <laughs> question. And you can tell a lot about someone who takes time to answer, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. We're assessing you as you are thinking. Don't answer too quick.
2: <laughs> I would say... Because it's reading, resonating with me right now, um, it's a call it's a song called Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship.
1: Hmm. And what's it what's it uh, what's what is it about it that makes it represent you?
2: I think it's about seeing the end state and realizing a vision even through the hills and valleys, which there have been a lot over the last couple of years. I mean, I sit here fortunate thinking about our business, but I also have a lot of peers in this space and category that aren't as fortunate. Um, So I think it's Mm -hmm. just persevering through some of the daily struggles. And I think that's what we bring in terms of authenticity to our brand, our content. And I think that's why um, I think we're seeing success.
0: That's a great choice we like it thank you <laughs> thank you for sharing it i guess maybe katina and i should answer too do you have one katina
1: oh gosh i didn't know i was gonna have to answer <laughs> we should is... have put I people wrote... on the spot and then i not wrote answered the question and made someone else do it and now i'm like that's really hard um <laughs> uh i don't know if this is a good answer or not lyrically but um, there's a band called Slaybells Bells and they have this song called Crown on the Ground. It's basically like, you know, you're like kind of um, you're like a person who like likes to take charge, but you're also willing to like fight for what you want. And it's about like you have to like put your crown on the ground and go fight. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the sound of the song, whatever it is about their sound, I played it for a class a couple years ago because I play music at the beginning of class. And someone was like, what's this song? And I told them and they were like, if I could like describe like your vibe in a song, like the sound of this song sounds like you. So actually, I don't know if the lyrics are exactly what I would pick, but someone told me that that was me in a song. And so that might be me in a song, I guess.
0: I feel like these songs are kind of, um, these two choices are a little they're not popular songs which is interesting which is good like yeah. they're not like the
1: top like 100 or whatever right <laughs> and they're like victory themed kind of which is also kinda yeah of-
0: that is interesting you got a victory
1: song for us patricia what's yours
0: no, not victory song, but I did think about this beforehand because I was like, I should have an answer because ah. we don't want to ask Jason and not Tricky. answer ourselves, um, but mine's like super dorky, so I loved Savage Garden as a kid, like loved them, and they have a song called Affirmation, and I actually played it in a class, I had to pick a song too when I was in high school, and then... Um, I still love the song and the song basically is just like a bunch of beliefs like it's like I believe in this I believe in that and a lot of it I believe in and I did then and it's kind of interesting to listen to it as an adult because I was surprised how much of it I still agreed with um, so I would say that song
1: <laughs> that's exciting that's I love that you picked Savage Garden I was wondering if you were going to go in that direction um, and you did sounds like some <laughs> well, grad Jason,
2: school you- stories there <laughs> yeah, yeah well yes. i think
0: people just knew and we also both have like weird um like i loved savage garden jason wait till i can tell you katina's favorite band hansen
2: okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you didn't you ask learned me too that much question. about us now i'm
2: glad you didn't ask me that question yeah the
1: <laughs> reaction was hilarious <laughs> sit on that um I, I recognize that they are a boy band from the 90s, but they were my favorite when I was 12, and there's a lot of nostalgia surrounding them. So yeah. I stand by my statement. You don't have to <laughs>
2: apologize for it. It's, it's, it's,
0: <laughs> well, now I'm going to ask you, Jason, what's your favorite band? Um, yeah.
2: I, I'd probably say Metallica just because they ah. were the test of time, although I'm not a huge Metallica fan now. Um, mm. So I think that's probably a cop out answer, but. Um, I've been into Bruce Springsteen for a lot. I just think his soulful lyrics and resonate with me.
1: Yes. I do like his voice a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I'm glad we got to share our, uh, you know, beats is in the name. So uh, (laughs) we got to share some musical uh, knowledge here with each other. Um, And we just appreciate your time so much, Jason. Thank you for uh, sharing your insights with us. We know our listeners learned a lot and we did too.
2: Great. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Next time you do it with me. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks.
1: Thanks.
0: Thank you so much to Jason Von Bank for joining us today. He's the president and CEO of WellBeats, a really interesting organization that's been doing some great work with companies to bring benefits to their employees. Um, you will find the link to their website, uh, wellbeats.com, in the show notes, as well as a link to Jason's LinkedIn um, and as always, if you have questions, thoughts, anything you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on WorkerBeing.com, email us at contact at and find us on social at WorkerBeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. The WorkerBeing podcast is hosted by
1: us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.